welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you always for joining me today. The Minnesota Vikings on Thursday. Again, I do apologize for the late release. It just is what it is with the schedule. Releasing it on kind of like a typical Purple Mafia Sunday. The Vikings definitely uh, got the job done on Thursday against the Washington Redskins. Not the prettiest score ever, but a win nonetheless. 19-9. Yes, 19-9. So again, not the most exciting game you ever saw. In fact, the first half or so was downright yucky until, well, Vikings finally got something going at the very end of the second quarter. Thank God. Vikings getting a drive together, getting Delvin Cook into the end zone. Uh, Delvin Cook off to an MVP-like start to the season. Just absolutely unbelievable. You knew the running game would be a factor against the Washington Redskins. Or at least you were hoping it would be. The pass defense with Washington, a little bit better, but uh, Kirk Cousins still extremely efficient, completing the passes he needed here. 23 of 26, 88.5, 285 yards, no touchdowns. Didn't get in the end zone with the passing game, but you got in the end zone with the running game. With Delvin Cook, his total yardage, he's on course for like 2186, basically, uh, when you combine uh, yardage together. Over 1,600, over 1,600 rushing, possibly, 18 total touchdowns, and around, uh, you know, over 500 receiving yards on course. Again, off to, <laughs> off of the first half, going into the second, uh, absolutely an MVP type of season. Stefan Diggs showed up wonderfully again, but he did fumble after a catch. Along the way, generating a ton of frustration, lots of uh, angst. We don't want that. We don't want that Adrian Peterson uh, nonsense rubbing off on Stefan Diggs. That Adrian Peterson uh, itis, shall we say, rubbing off on Stefan Diggs after making nice runs, and the next thing you know, he's fumbling back the New Orleans Saints or whoever, Chicago Bears, which ended up costing the Vikings home field advantage multiple games during that season. Ended up costing the Vikings crucial home field advantage, which may have been enough against uh, the New Orleans Saints, and uh, which what would have been the Metrodome still in 2009. Great game by Stefan Diggs. He did catch everything that came his way, 143 yards, and did not get in the end zone. Of course, Delvin Cook targeted, targeted six times total, 73 yards running. Ola B.C. Johnson, a couple of crucial catches. Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph combined for six catches. The yardage was not pretty. Kind of slower, and again, Washington's pass defense significantly better than the run defense, and it showed... It also, well, was a scary situation. The Minnesota Vikings playing kind of prevent type of defense, even though they really weren't. It just looked like they were, if you know what I mean. Because Xavier Rhodes, well, he was a few yards off his man pretty much most of the night. And then when he won, was on his man, pardon me, down the stretch on one of Washington's drives, the Washington Redskins drives, of course, which unfortunately for them resulted in a field goal one way or another, raked uh, the Washington receiver across his face rather than, like, making a play on the ball. I mean, it's like he was actually on his man. But, I mean, that's what I've been noticing with Xavier Rhodes of late is he's not playing the ball, he's playing the receiver. Just simply turning around and playing the ball would have been enough. And he was in position on the play, and it still wound up being a disaster, which is stupid. So half the distance to the goal and all that. Washington Redskins had a golden opportunity to score a touchdown at a point in the game when... Well, Washington was still in it, and they pretty much were most of the way until very late. It's just that the Redskins' offense was so gosh darn inept, it didn't really matter. Uh, it was inept, though, under high, under Haskins, who was clearly not ready to be an NFL quarterback at this stage, a starting at caliber NFL quarterback at this stage. During the Case Keenum time, things are a little different. 
Case was definitely completing a lot of his passes. He was definitely efficient throughout the day. And some people believe Washington may have wound up winning the game. He was extremely efficient during the first half before he had the concussion fears. Concussion fears with Case Keenum. 12 of 16, 75%. 183 yards, quarterback rating of 98.4, blah, blah, blah. Wound up fumbling on the play. He was hurt, unfortunately for him. Case Keenum ultimately. Uh, it was a good strip sack by Minnesota, but again, Case Keenum hurt along the way. Dwayne Haskins, not good. Uh, not good. It was a pretty lame interception he threw. Just inexperienced. It was overthrown and intercepted. The typical inexperienced type of play where you have the, re- the uh, defender behind the receiver and you overthrow him. I mean, that's just like 101 right there. And it, it happens. I mean, he's, he's a rookie and he looks like it. And uh, some, some rookie quarterbacks are ready to go. Others aren't. And some of them never are ready to go. Like, uh, you know, the Christian Ponders of the world. Joey Harrington was just adequate. I mean, some of these guys, you throw the Wolves too early and it's a disaster. Better off with watching and keeping Case Keenum as the starting quarterback at this stage. And it's not like he's doing a bad job. It's just, there's just, it's just not a good vibe right now in the nation's capital. And unfortunately, after a really good vibe with the uh, Washington Nationals, the other Washington team that's currently playing, well, I suppose the Capitals are playing too, and the Bullets, or excuse me, the Wizards. So I guess they're all playing at the same time. If you can get your baseball team to make the World Series... And you got the other four sports, or all four of the major sports per se, the core four, not including soccer, which I will stand by. <laughs> no offense to soccer, I just don't think it's a core four sport, in my opinion. Um, but no, you get your if you're lucky enough to have your team in the World Series, you could have four teams playing at once. That's kind of cool. Um, Washington Capitals are obviously a very recent Stanley Cup champ. The Washington Bullets, now Wizards, many years ago won the NBA Finals in 78. And of course the Redskins won in 87 and 90 won the 91 season, so they basically won the two years the Minnesota Twins won, much to our chagrin in 87, of course. Yeah, bit of history there with Washington in the postseason, interesting history with the Chiefs coming up too in second segment number two, per se. Um, but no, the Nationals, unfortunately, great start to the World Series, up 2 nothing, winning both games in Houston, then next thing you know, the series is tied. Yuck couple of nasty games in the nation's capital. So the vibe not so good in Washington now that it was earlier. Unfortunately, not sure what's clicking and popping over here. Boy. Mm-mm-mm. Let's get back to the game. Adrian Peterson, well, he recovered from a pretty nasty ankle injury, I guess. I guess he's a miracle healer still at this age, even though he was back in 2012 and he had that near, nearly 2,100 yards, which would have been a single season record. Missed it by this much per se. Um, yeah, if he were to get in the end zone rather than have the Packer uh, secondary <laughs> defensive back bring him down, he would have broken the all-time record. He would have passed Dickerson. Um, wow, that would have been amazing. But no, Adrian Peterson, 76 yards on the ground, five and a half. He had a good solid game. He was loose, as Paul Allen used to say back in the day, 29 yards. He was loose on a play, but didn't, of course, break loose. He doesn't have that speed that he once did. He doesn't have the third gear he once did. He looked pretty healthy, though, for a guy who, again, hurt his ankle pretty bad a week ago and fumbled on the play, which is what Adrian is known for doing once in a while. Yeah, just once in a while. Solid game for him. Solid game for the Vikings' core running backs as well. I mean, did I say Alexander Madison would get 50 or more yards? He did. He had a 28-yard scamper. Again, never seems to break loose into the end zone, but still 28 yards. is 28 yards. And again, when you want to say, oh, you know, like the running back made a great play, and then you're like, well, you got to credit the offensive line or tight ends or whoever that made the blocks down the field. Absolutely. But at the same time, again, a good running back knows where to go in those situations. It's a high IQ. And I consider Alexander Madison a guy with a very high IQ for a rookie running back, 
pretty damn good. And of course, Dalvin Cook is, he's, he's, he's all world. He's probably the best running back in the league right now. And that's cool. That's cool. And you have an offense that's, you know, opened things up a bit, better passing game and utilizing Kirk Cousins' strengths and pushing aside his weaknesses. And of course, again, still utilizing the incredible, <laughs> incredible talent you have with two running backs now, which is just awesome. And it's like neither one is taking away from the other at all. Uh, Alexander Madison got those crucial third down conversions that ended up burning the clock and wiping things out for the Washington Redskins down the stretch. That was awesome. Just an overall solid, solid offensive performance. The defense is scaring a lot of people right now. Um, Haskins, again, he looks kind of like, you know, <laughs> he looks kind of like one of those guys like Josh Rosen, you know, like the Packer quarterback a couple years ago when Rodgers got hurt and just nothing good was happening. He's a rookie, and he, there's, just, there's just no vibe. There's no vibe right now. And hopefully, again, things can change. Like Josh Rosen, obviously, so far, starting last year with Arizona, this year with Miami, there is just no vibe. There is no pulse. And it just is what it is. So things are not looking so pretty with the Washington Redskins at this stage. Of course, they'll be drafting very high, and hopefully for their sake, they'll get the right pick. With the frustrating history with this franchise, though, I hope the Redskins don't get too good too quick. I mean, that's very frustrating history with Minnesota and Washington, even though we've had some nice wins during some nice seasons, and hopefully this winds up being a very nice season. Again, uh, I got to see the Redskins in person years ago, and in 98, most beautiful season ever until until we played the bleeping Falcons in the second half of that game anyway. <sighs> Bullcrap. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it is what it is. Um, remember the 41-7 to game, Vikings were 5-0. and No, 6-0. and We were 6-0. and in that game, it was beautiful, uh, absolutely beautiful feeling. Forty-one to seven, you rolled over them and continued your great season. Hopefully, this again is another little win for the Vikings. Uh, no blowout today or Thursday, pardon me. Uh, it, it is what it is. You didn't get the blowout, but you got the win. Bottom line, you didn't get major injuries. Thank God Almighty. Uh, Pat Alflein was awful. Xavier Rhodes was awful, and Phil Mackey during the course of the last couple of days, was saying how there's people on Twitter, Facebook, whatever the heck, you know, social media, emails, who knows what the heck, and phone calls and on uh, Vikings vent line, score north, whatever. How, you know, Xavier Rhodes is trash, trash, he sucks, he's trash, you know, and he was saying how basically fans shouldn't be coming out saying Xavier Rhodes is trash. Maybe he's playing like trash now, but you got to remember what he's brought to this franchise. And I agree with that. Now, you have every right to be extremely frustrated with how Xavier Rhodes is playing now. You have every right to be pissed off that somebody could drop off that quickly. I mean, just two years ago, he was still all-world. He, he was an all-world cornerback in the NFL. One of the best there is. Like, top three, top five at, at, at minimum. But no, uh, you have to recognize what this player has brought to this team when he was in his prime. Uh, you have to recognize that. And don't say trash. Just say he's been disappointing. And he's past his prime, and very likely at the end of the season, he's going to get released. That's 100% okay to say. So I, I do agree with that, and I apologize. I actually wrote Xavier Rose's trash on the uh, Facebook page during the game and the in-game thread. So I apologize to anybody that, I wouldn't say they were offended, but just saw that and was like, that's kind of harsh. So um, it, it it is, when you consider what the guys brought to the franchise, it's extremely frustrating. Heck, Adrian Peterson is trash too. I mean, you don't want to say that either. You know, even those of you that went crazy, you know, hit the ceiling when stuff happened in 2014. Thing, inappropriate things happened in 2014, which I don't want to get into that much. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. Just I thought the media overblew that too much. That's just my opinion. Was it wrong? Yes. Did the media overblow it? Yes. That's what I was saying at the end of that season because I kept my mouth shut the whole year. And yeah, I still stand by that uh, point of view at this stage. Uh, God bless the guy. It's cool. Uh, unfortunately, he does have a selfish side of his game. Um, Alex Boone, again, Score North. Again, look, you actually think I work for Score North lately. But uh, the comments he made are basically... He couldn't have been more disappointed in meeting a star athlete when he came to Minnesota. Um, when you're like, you idolize a certain player, like maybe you idolized Kevin Garnett. And wow, you got to play with him. Like, and wow, he's, he's really cool. Or he's kind of a jackass. Or he's just, he just kept to himself and I barely got to talk to him. Or you got to meet Kirby Puckett, you know, whatever, you know. Well, he got to meet Adrian Peterson and that was unfortunately 2016 when Adrian Peterson and his dad were basically, as he said, throwing shade on the franchise every single time something bad happened to poor poor God Almighty Adrian Peterson. And the guy was as selfish as it gets, basically, is what uh, Alex Boone said. There's all kinds of, like, in-case-you-missed-it type, you know, podcasts all over Score North, so you wouldn't have to listen to that entire episode, but it's those purple podcasts, vent line, whatever the heck, podcast feeds for Score North, if you're curious. Interesting stuff. It's it's interesting. I mean, Alex Boone is always an open guy, an open door. You know, he would say anything. He's pretty good fit in the media, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you think? Um, he saw him as one of those selfish individuals and how it was just a total buzzkill, that whole gosh darn season in 2016. Didn't help that the O-line was kind of bad, but I mean, they blamed the O-line for every bleeping thing, which is not always the right thing to do. It's not always right. Even though the O-line stunk, you can't blame the O-line for every single thing, every single play. That's kind of silly. Um, and Adrian's fumbling and fumbling and bumbling in that awful game against Indianapolis, which was basically like, you know what, Adrian, adios. Just just, just go. Just go. You're a historic player. Thank you very much. Wonderful career. We'll retire number 28, maybe. Well, God bless you when you come in as a Viking or go into the Hall of Fame as a Viking. It'll be the greatest ever and everything. And we'll celebrate those awesome games like the San Diego Chargers. Check out my uh, YouTube video, by the way. So instead of <laughs> scoring north, check out my YouTube video on that one. Way back in 2007, rookie year for Adrian Peterson. It was my rookie year, kind of messing around. I was already 28, though. Gosh, I'm an old-timer now. <laughs> 40. Um, back in 2007, doing a YouTube video. That was before I did podcasting. Uh, Paladino Live. Look that up if you like. Vikings versus Chargers. Paladino Live. And historic day for Adrian Peterson by breaking the single game rushing record. Unbelievable day. It was fun. I mean, those are still memorable. Uh, great games against the Chicago Bears early on. That was a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, 2009, he got in the end zone like a bajillion times. He got in the end zone like 18 times that year. He was so much fun. Uh, wonderful career for Adrian, but the one-dimensional style. No pass blocking. Can't do anything, really. He's not really a receiving running back. We knew that actually coming into his career. He had his first score of his career. His first play of his career was a receiving touchdown. He actually caught the ball and scampered. He was loose. I bet if I remember 61 yards to pay dirt. And that was the best running. Uh, that was the best receiving play he made in his entire career was the very first play of his career. Kind of funny. Um, I remember how he was receiving passes in that uh, Seattle game in the postseason in 2015. And then, then he fumbled it away. He, I was like, wow, he's actually receiving passes. You know, like foreshadowing to Delvin Cook a couple of years later. What Delvin Cook could do for Minnesota with those uh, screen plays. Wow, Adrian Peterson's actually doing something on screen plays. It's like a miracle. And then he bleep and fumbles on the third one because we tried the same play three plays in a row. And guess what? Fumble. And, you know, that led to, that was one of the three deadly sins of the uh, 2015 playoff game, which resulted 
with the third deadly sin of uh, Blair Walsh doing what he did very well at that moment and uh, the season afterwards. <laughs> not a good, not a good feeling at all. Just sickening. But uh, yep, there I go, waxing the skeletic on Adrian Peterson. One of the best individual running backs of all time, but again, a selfish guy later in his career. Uh, interesting early on, very kind of a cool, interesting guy early on, and got more and more selfish as his career continued. And his one-dimensional, his one-dimensional game became more of a liability than an asset. And now you got guys like Calvin Cook and Alexander Madison, and you know, I wouldn't trade. Kel Cook and Madison in a, in a second for Adrian Peterson, even in 2008. Even even in 2007, 2008. Honest to God, I, I wouldn't. Especially in today's game, with the way the game is. Uh, with the way the game is. Some pass blocking. Maybe, you know, some yeah, those blocking, pass receiving, uh, screen plays, all that good stuff, which has become much and more a part of the NFL. Uh, I loved when I heard Delvin Cook talking on the Dan Barrero show on Friday, obviously, because it was after the Thursday game. He was, uh, Barrero asked him who was his favorite running back growing up, and Dalvin Cook right away said Marshall Falk. And, wow, that's one of my all-time favorites, too. Because what did Marshall Falk do? He was the ultimate total yardage running back. Catch? You know, I mean, yeah, he, he, he got a ton of receiving yards. He made big plays going all the way back to his days at the Indianapolis Colts, to his days with the Rams, and, of course, the New York Jets and such down the stretch of his career. Uh, awesome career for Marshall Falk. Absolutely love that man. Um... I'm thinking of Ladanian Tomlinson. I'm, I'm blanking there. But no, Marshall Falk. No, he, he he finished with the Rams. Pardon me. It was the Rams. I'm thinking of Ladanian Tomlinson with the Jets. Forgive me for that. That guy was a great player too. But not as uh, versatile as Marshall Falk. And you're seeing that versatility with Delvin Cook. And thank you very much, Delvin, for modeling your game after the greatest Marshall Falk. I love that man. So, very cool. Uh, Fran Tarkington Award for this week. It's Delvin Cook again. I mean, he's just the greatest. He, he is the greatest, isn't he? Is he not an MVP candidate in your book? If, if the season ended today and the Vikings finished 12-4, and four, let's just say, right? 6-2 and two again. Delvin Cook's the Fran Tarkington of 2019. He absolutely is. Uh, uh, right now, a guy who's climbing up the charts for that is a guy that was getting a lot of Ponder awards because he looked more like Christian Ponder than he looked like Fran Tarkington. And, uh, well, he's not a Fran Tarkington type of quarterback. He's got his own vibe. Maybe kind of... I, I don't even know how to compare him. I don't know. Maybe Brad Johnson a little bit. But uh, Brad could be a little more mobile, I suppose. But, hey, uh, Kirk Cousins has his own gifts. He's got his special skills, and he's utilizing those special skills rather than getting his weaknesses exploited and getting his ass kicked and fumbling and pissing off everybody known to man. That was the extreme frustration with Kirk Cousins for so long the past uh, year and a half with Minnesota, but now looking like a, looking like a quarterback that might get an extension rather than getting cut. Because <laughs> uh, somebody is going to get cut next spring. It's probably not going to be Cousins. Obviously, you can't because that's $28 million just like that. Like, bite the damn money. Get out of here. Unless the guy is like, unless the guy throws like seven interceptions in his last seven passes of the season or something, which let's not even think about that for a moment. <laughs> let's not even go there. Uh, but no, Xavier Rhodes, by the end of the season, he's not going to be a Viking anymore. And it's too bad we couldn't uh, orchestrate some type of trade during the offseason. Might have been a good idea. I can imagine Bill Belichick trading him, and people were like, wow, I thought maybe he lost a step or something last year, like a half of a step or something, because he was still okay last year. But wow, they, act, they, they got rid of him. huh? But it's Bill Belichick, he's almost always right. And yeah, I guarantee you Bill Belichick would have sent uh, Xavier Rhodes packing after 2018, if not 2017. That's just Belichick. And 
I mean, look at the Patriots' defense. Just look at them. It's not bend. It's not bend, but don't break anymore. It's screw you. We're going to shut you down no matter what you do. Uh, they're like the old Patriots in the early days of Brady, and of course the New York Giants uh, when uh, Bill Belichick was the defensive coordinator under Bill Parcells back in the in, in the in the early nineties. That was some good stuff. It was a fun, solid win for Minnesota. It was cool to see Adrian again and all that stuff, but I don't know. I don't have all warm and fuzzies with Adrian Peterson. It's not because of the events of 2014. It's not, though, again, that wasn't a good thing that he did. No, but uh, again, yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna turn that into bash Adrian Fest for that. Uh, just, I don't know, I'm happy with the running backs we have, and how can you not be? How can you not be? If I mean, how can you not be happy with Delvin Cook as your bleeping running back? Alexander Madison as your number two running back? Alexander Madison could probably start for at least half of the teams and do well. At least half of the NFL teams right now, in my humble opinion. Again, Stefan Diggs, that's another one. I don't think he's selfish. I think he did the right thing. I think what he did, he took a risk. He stuck his neck out. He risked making an ass of himself and alienating himself when he did what he did, like uh, sitting out some practices and all that, and uh, getting kind of sarcastic with uh, Stefanski on the sidelines, which was plain as day. I mean, I could see it. Stefanski looked mildly annoyed, not super annoyed. He was just kind of like, well, are you sure about this? I mean, <laughs> that was kind of like Stefan Diggs is basically probably what he was saying. Like, are you really sure? Are you really sure this is the direction you want to go? And, well, it's not just all running back as great as Delvin Cook is. It's mixing it all up uh, and utilizing the strengths of Kirk Cousins, Stefan Diggs, and Delvin Cook, and Madison, and uh, Adam Thielen, who, again, out with the hamstring. Injury, of course, in this game. His first missed game of his career. A guy who definitely did not take hitting in NFL games for granted because he was a practice squad player about five years ago. So pretty freaking cool considering what, uh, pretty freaking cool considering how long and how much uh, Adam Thielen appreciated, appreciated part of me playing in every single game for Minnesota up until now. And uh, very, very, very wise decision by Minnesota to uh, have Adam Thielen rest that hamstring because it's not worth it. Screw the pitch count. Just have him sit out and relax and uh, come back and be the uh, all-star Pro Bowl wide receiver that he can be for weeks to come, years to come, maybe another decade. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know if he's going to play that long, but hopefully he does. Hopefully he does, and hopefully it's a Hall of Fame career for Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs long-term. With that said, again, Fran Tarkington is going to go to Dalvin Cook, the... <clears throat> Christian Brown Memorial is going to be shared with Xavier Rhodes and Pat Elfline. I think even Elfline, you could say, was even worse in a lot of ways. He had a bad game. Uh, Kirk Cousins got pressured an awful lot. He got sacked three times, which isn't the worst number ever. It's not ten times like it was with uh, the young guy in, uh, was it Luke Folk? I think that was his name for the New York Jets against the Philadelphia Eagles, who will probably never have ten sacks in a game again. Probably ever. So, <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad, but Pat Elfline did. Did have a, probably his worst game of his career, and he has not had a good season. He's not. Uh, Riley Reef's been much better, and Brian O'Neill has been spectacular. Supposedly, he gave up a sack in the game. That's been debated. His first sack given up of his career. And if it's going to happen, fine. Let it happen against a one in six team that we beat anyway. You know, let it happen then rather than against uh, you know Dallas Cowboys, Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packers coming up, Chicago Bears. So, it is what it is there. Offensive line continuing to play well, except for Pat Helfline, unfortunately, who's looked on as one of the best players on that offensive line two years ago. And since then, not really, not really disappointing after the injury of 2017. Has been the aforementioned Patrick Elfline. 
Okay, so there it is. Pat Elflight, Xavier Rhodes bring in the ponder, and Cook brings in yet another Francis Tarkington Award. With that said, we'll take a quick break. We'll look around the National Football League and preview the Kansas City Chiefs. back here on Purple Mafia segment number two. We're going to look across the league a bit and of course get into some Kansas City Chiefs and Minnesota Vikings history. A fairly small history. Gosh, only 12 games between the two teams and considering how long these teams have been around. Alright, well, yeah, we'll get to that shortly. And of course, AFC, NFC, blah, blah, blah. They didn't merge until later. And of course, yeah, because back then we were called NFL champions. We were the NFL champions, but yeah. Well, nowadays we heard NFL champions, you think they must have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, unfortunately we got to the Super Bowl, and yeah, I think you, most of you know the result. Green Bay and Kansas City flashing in the background. NBC Sunday Night Football. Is that not tradition for Purple Mafia segment number two and three? Yes, it is. And that's just how we're going to keep doing it. Green Bay and Kansas City, the Packers leading right now. Matt Moore and the Chiefs doing the best they can. Against the uh, losers from Lambeau. Okay, yeah, they're not really losers. They're 6-1. and one. I wish they were losers. It was nice when they were losing. You know, that that's a team you'd call a lovable loser because you're just loving that they're losing. Okay, enough of that stilliness. My, uh, Monday night football is going to be a... Oh, that's going to be a real barn burner, real ticket getter. Oh, two, two teams combined for a 2-10 and ten record. The uh, Miami Dolphins, a multiple Super Bowl champion, and Pittsburgh Steelers, a five-time Super Bowl champion or actually six-time Super Bowl champion, pardon me, tied with the Patriotas. And, uh, yeah, well, they're not having good seasons, those two teams, so that won't be the best Monday night game. I'm glad that wasn't the Sunday night game, but usually Sunday night is about as good as it gets. Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs hosting the Slackers, and they'll be hosting the Minnesota Vikings next week. So a nice little indicator how things are going to go, I guess. Hopefully we win, because if the Packers beat them, hopefully we can. Okay, I'll shut up. Let's move on. Shut up on that silliness. Jacksonville hosting the New York Jets. And yes, the neighbors upstairs are as noisy as ever. That's a wonderful thing every Sunday night. Oh, Jaguars advance to a 500 record, 4-4. Four and four. New York Jets drop to 1-6, 29-15. New York Jets continue to stink despite a one-game like dream of how good they could be, I guess. Sam Darnold back to throwing the interceptions. And Gardner Minshew... Back to throwing touchdowns. Great game for him other than a fumble loss. He had three touchdowns into the end zone passing, of course. Duh. Almost 280 yards, basically. And Sam Darnold struggled, even though his completion percentage was high. The mistakes were there. Jacksonville's defense looked a little bit like the last couple of years or so, particularly the two years ago when they were actually a pretty dangerous team for the New England Patriots in the AFC title game. But uh, overall, big, strong game by uh, Leonard Fournette. Wow, another total yardage game for him. 60 yards receiving and scampered for 76 overall, including a 66 long, but did not, I repeat, did not get into the end zone. But a nice, again, total yardage type of game, which is what you're looking for if you are a, uh, you know, a, a running back in the modern day. Also got the Timberwolves flashing in front of me here on the Note 8. The Note 10 is 
relaxing right below, but I have the Note 8 still hanging around, and it serves its purpose pretty nicely. Still got that HD view, Timberwolves flashing, so lots of stuff going on, lots of distracting things that I guess are good, I suppose. Timberwolves not quite winning after they started off well against Miami. We'll see what happens. We can look at the standings here briefly, too. If the season ended today and all that, New England, of course, number one seed in the AFC. Indianapolis Colts and Chiefs trying to get that number two. The Colts. Remember the Indianapolis Colts? You know, this Andrew Luck guy that's not lucky, really. And you got uh, Brissett and all that leading the way. Yeah, I mean, the Colts. Whew, looking good. Chiefs, of course, trying to reclaim, reclaim a number two if they can defeat the number three Packers. If Well, we'll see what happens. Saints and San Francisco still ruling the NFC. Kansas City and Indianapolis 5-2. and two. Baltimore 5-2. and two. So anybody could have that number two bye. Heck, Buffalo Bills, well, no, they can't because they're behind the Patriots. They're not going to pass the Patriots. Uh, Houston, Houston Texans hanging on to the final wildcard spot behind a 5-2 and two Buffalo club. And Jacksonville and Tennessee. Jacksonville and Tennessee knocking on the door back in the... Uh, 19, there, there's your 1999 AFC title game. Okay, I keep talking about those two teams. That was a fairly memorable game, particularly if you're a Titans fan. San Francisco, along with New England... Tom Brady's two favorite teams and Joe Montana's two favorite teams, I'm sure, growing up as well. Okay, maybe Montana didn't care as much about San Francisco until he got there. Whereas, uh, yeah, it's just the coolest thing ever how those two guys switched places, literally. Joe Montana grew up in the in Boston, played for the San Francisco 49ers, and was a legend. Um, Tom Brady grew up in San Francisco area, a 49ers fan watching Joe Montana, and wound up playing in Boston and became an even bigger legend. It's the coolest thing ever. It, it, it really is. You can say whatever you want about those two teams. New Orleans Saints, no Teddy, no problem. They they end up moving up to 7-1. and one. Green Bay 6-1, and one, trying to be 7-1. and one, And Dallas is hanging on to the other home field advantage, which would be the fourth seed. Seattle and Minnesota hanging on into the wild card. And you got the Los Angeles Rams hanging on to a 5-3 and three record after beating Cincy today. Oh, goody. And Carolina, 4-3. and three. Both teams in the hunt, trying to catch Minnesota or Seattle. Hopefully... They're unable to catch us anyway. If they catch Seattle, I couldn't care less. Uh, Jacksonville, solid win. Well, let's move on. New Orleans Saints rolling over Arizona today. Not a good game for the Arizona Cardinals. 31-9. Drew Brees is back, and he had a pretty solid game. Kyler Murray did not. Uh, one of his weaker games, but he didn't turn the ball over. Good for him, but unfortunately not a good game. Uh, Brett Hundley, that's the former Packer quarterback I was talking about. That was not so good. And, uh, that's kind of what about what Trubisky looks like right now for the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, not so good. Not so good. Um, but, I mean, also uh, ha- Haskins. Haskins especially for the uh, Washington Washington Generals. No, the Washington Redskins. That's, they're basically the Washington Generals of football right now. Drew Brees threw his first interception, at least since week one, and three touchdown completions. Very solid game. Drew Brees attempting 43 passes. I guess he hasn't really missed a beat at this moment. We'll see what happens with Teddy Bridgewater in the offseason because he sure looked like a starting quarterback and is Breeze going to do a Brady and just keep playing until hell freezes over and keep uh, winning because they are winning right now. They might have home field advantage in the AFC again. Latavius Murray carrying the load back-to-back weeks, getting in the 100 yardage again. He's just one of those guys who is a starting... He's a starting running back, kind of like Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray. Kind of like Latavius Murray. Kind of like Alexander Madison. Kind of like Latavius Murray. That's funny. But no, Alexander Madison also. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater got in the game and, well, he just kneeled a couple times. Good for him, I guess. A couple of kneels. A couple of kneel jobs to run the clock down. That's the only reason why you see him in there. 
Uh, he's a starting quarterback, though. I like Teddy Bridgewater. He looks better than ever. Mental game as strong as ever. And he always had a high IQ. And good for him. Michael Thomas getting in the century mark again. This time getting in the end zone. Latavius Murray, complete game. Latavius Murray caught nine passes. Latavius Murray's Delvin Bleepin' Cook for the New Orleans Saints right now. And that, I mean, and you still have Elvin Kamara, who's not even available. So definitely a dangerous overall football team. Their, their defense has a lot of good players. Obviously, you got Jordan. You got your, uh, you got your, uh, I don't even want to talk about them. But uh, obviously, Lattimore and all them. Damn good players. Marshawn Lattimore, hell of a player. And you can go on and on and on about that. And the Minneapolis Miracle and Marcus Williams and the disaster he went through. And we'll just move on from that. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore slamming his helmet on the ground. Understandably, I would do the same thing. And Norwood's still there. Uh, Morstead, not Norwood. Morstead's still there. Cool guy. Very cool guy. Coming out there and uh, toughing it out in a situation he probably didn't want to deal with. The Saints are 7-1. and one. There's at least two Saints that I like. Teddy Bridgewater. Well, three. Three, because I love Latavius Murray. Love him to death. Uh, Latavius Murray, Teddy Bridgewater, and Morstead. But, uh, yeah, either, other than that, I hate the Saints with a passion, I guess. I still like their uniforms and their colors, though, like I did forever. Los Angeles Rams winning another game. Good for them. Back-to-back wins for them to get to 5-3. and three. That's kind of weird. Pretty cool to see the Rams doing better, I guess. But then again, you don't want them to catch us. Cincinnati trying to be the next uh, Detroit Lions, the uh, 2008 Detroit Lions, if possible. They're trying as they might. They're 0-8. They are the winless team in football right now, them along with the Miami Dolphins, who just... They're just great. I love the Dolphins, right? They're 0-6, and gosh, they're like going to be the latest team to get their seventh game as they've already had their bye. Cincinnati halfway, halfway to 0-16. The Rams trying to get to 10-6. and Oh, goody, if you even that out. Of course, 24-10, to not really much to say. I mean, Jared Goff was mediocre. Andy Dolphin was mediocre, and he got sacked five times. Jared Goff's efficiency rating was really high and all that, but his accuracy, not so much. Uh, 54, 55%. Joe Mixon, just average. Just an average guy out there. Just an average Joe in terms of his running game. And caught four passes for a whopping 11 yards. Cincinnati just stinks. Uh, Cooper Cup is unbelievable. 220 yards today. He was the nookie blankie, as they like to say, for Jared Goff. And they finally wore those beautiful uniforms again. Just wear them forever, Los Angeles Rams. I don't care if you're home. I don't care if you're away. I don't care if it's 2019. I don't care if it's 1985. I don't care if it's 2085. Just wear those uniforms forever. I love the Los Angeles Rams classic uniforms. The classic uniforms from the good old 80s. They are the best. The 80s and 90s before they, well, before they changed them into that other stuff. Those are cool uniforms. And yes, they belong in Los Angeles, not in St. Louis. Oh, I love uniforms. Have I mentioned that I like those uniforms? It's kind of like the Lakers of blue. I don't know. You know, I guess they're similar to the that other team in Northern California that I hate with a passion. But yeah, I like the Rams uniforms a lot better than the bleeping Warriors. Easy win for the Rams. Let's keep going. I don't even know why I'm even getting into all that. I'm just losing my mind. Guess that's what happens when the Timberwolves are flashing on the screen in front of me. First place, Indianapolis Colts. They barely got past the Denver Broncos. It was the Peyton Manning Bowl, I guess. It was the Peyton Manning Bowl. I mean, he won a Super Bowl with both of these teams, and Colts are a lot closer to the Super Bowl right now. They're winning their division. They might have a number two seed. Who'd have thunk it? Who'd have thunk it when Luck ran out for a starting quarterback that they had? The, the Luck ran out. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I had to do that. 
Denver Broncos lose again. Yep, the Broncos lose again. Their defense is good. They kept the Colts at bay. 15-13, to a boring, grinded-out type of game. Kind of some old-school action mixed in. Jacoby Brissett kind of rushing for a couple of first downs. Good for him. I, I really like him. And uh, Naheem Hines barely getting some action, but he got a little bit in the game. Four rushes. I always talk about him because I like Naheem Hines. He actually had some uh, catches in the game, too. Looks like they're starting to include him a bit more and more. And Man, I wish Naheem Hines was on the Vikings. I was obsessed with him in the draft like uh, about a year and a half ago. 20, uh, the 2018 draft. I was obsessed with Naheem Hines. Naheem Hines could have been that nice uh, uh, kick returner for us, possibly. But uh, we got Marcus Sherrill, so yeah, Marcus Sherrill. <laughs> he has his moments, but... Uh, I don't know. I'll be very surprised if Marcus Sherrill returns another punt for the for a touchdown. He just doesn't have the step he used two years ago. Just my opinion. Marlon Mack, solid game for the Colts. Just a solid, grinded out, black and blue type of game for the Colts, and they got the job done. And I like them. I like the Colts. Why not? You know, why not? And I, I like to see success on a team that uh, wasn't really expected. Yet, at the same time, the talent is there all along. Jacoby Brissett always could play, and... Uh, He's proving it more and more, and nice to see. Nice to see. Kind of like what Teddy's doing in uh, New Orleans. He deserves to be a starting quarterback on the Saints at some point, if he's willing to wait, depending on how long Drew Brees is going to make him wait. Or maybe he can play for uh, another team. Maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Miami Dolphins. Nah, yeah, I think since I think the Saints have a nice group of players that would help him have a ton of success. It's almost better just waiting, I guess, as much as that would suck. Hopefully it's not five years down the road. Jameis Winston showed off the legs today, running for 53 yards, and but he also showed how terrible he is with four turnovers, two fumbles lost, two interceptions, but he threw for 301 yards. Like, that means a whole lot. Well, they were in the game and everything where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, Jameis Winston, if that's your guy, that's your number one pick in the draft, you are going to be so disappointed. Oh, I mean, oh, it, it hurts. I mean, he got outplayed pretty badly by Ryan Tannehill today. Um, I don't know, and they have that offensive guru by the name of Bruce Arians as head coach, and this is your result with your number one overall pick in the draft. I don't know, man. I think the I think his hands got pinched one too many times when he was yeah grabbing something that didn't belong to him. Uh, Brian Tannehill, very efficient game, very efficient game. I'm sure the Dolphins actually miss him a tiny bit. He's doing a hell of a job for Tennessee and. I don't know. I guess he's like a much better version of Matt Castle for Tennessee. He he, he really is. He's doing a hell of a job uh, filling in for uh, Marcus Mariota, who's just not that good. And Jameis Winston's just not that good. Uh, nice to see Tennessee kind of hanging on, even though I basically grand scheme of things couldn't care less about the Tennessee Titans. But always kind of liked Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Mike Evans has got star all written all over him, of course. 200 yards, two touchdowns today. Okay, 198, but a huge, huge game. You've got some weapons in Tampa Bay, and you got that offensive guru in Bruce Arians. It's just too bad that your quarterback's a nitwit. He just is. He's a nitwit. He doesn't have the between the ears, and I don't know. They could have easily beaten Tennessee today, I think, even though Tannehill had a great game. It's too bad, but uh, that's how it, that's how it goes. I actually had Tampa Bay doing well not too long ago, and it just didn't work out. Detroit, we'll come back to that. Their game hosting the Giants. Do they end their snide? Chicago, do they end their snide at home versus... Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. So, I, I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Philadelphia ended their snide. They were on a big one. Philadelphia back to 500. Good for them. They were 3-2 and two when they came to U.S. Bank Stadium. And then next thing you knew, they're 3-4. and four. Now they're 4-4. Four and four. 
Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles with a winning record when they came into the into U.S. Bank Stadium and so helped Kirk Cousins improve his uh, back-to-back weeks here. Helped his help him improve his uh, play against winning teams and then eventually his play in uh, prime time. So a couple of wins in in those categories. I guess it's kind of easy when the Eagles weren't playing so good and Washington was sucking. But uh, to his credit, Kirk Cousins has been freaking awesome. Buffalo Bills. Gosh, they were 5-1 and one in this game, but the Eagles romped all over them in New Era Field. It's a, it a new era for Buffalo, and it sure is, but uh, not a good game for them today. Garson Wentz put up solid numbers, just solid. Only attempted 24 passes because of the lead. They're just protecting the lead with Jordan Howard doing the old bell cow. And, of course, Carson Wentz showing a little athleticism and running for some first downs as well. Jordan Howard, 23 rushes, 4.2 a carry, and he did get into the end zone once. 96 yards for the captain. No, for Jordan Howard, the former Chicago Bear, which I'm sure they're dying to have right now. Oof, oof. Got a couple things to say about that game. couple things, but Buffalo, big loss today. Big loss. This must have been their biggest disappointment of the season. It would have to be. Ouch. But uh, good for Philly, because season's kind of getting to be on the line there. You don't want to get your fifth loss already. You just don't. Uh, Atlanta put up a pretty good fight against the Seattle Sea Chickens, hosting them in Again, what was rated as the number one stadium in the NFL. Matt Schaub leading the way for the Atlanta Falcons like he was years ago behind Michael Vick all these years later. He passed for almost 500 yards in Matt Schaub. The quarterback everybody wanted. Oh, he's behind Michael Vick. You know, I mean, Michael Vick's a legend. He's the greatest quarterback ever. He's got the best legs ever, and he's got the biggest arm ever. So he'll never play, but he's an awesome quarterback who deserves to be starting, and he stunk everywhere he went for the most part. Goes back to Atlanta and all these years later, like a decade later, and throws for almost 500 yards against Seattle, who's no longer the Legion of Boom. They're the Legion of Ben but don't break. Yeah, that was cute, wasn't it? But uh, they still didn't win, though. They still didn't win. They were bent but don't break, pretty much, giving up 20 points to Atlanta. 500 yards, almost almost 500 yards passing and 21 points. And one of the other guys that I love from Wyoming, another Wyoming guy, just like Marcus Epps with Minnesota now, Brian Hill, who never got to suit up for the Vikes, he ended up going to Atlanta. <laughs> My condolences with how things have turned out there. He got in the end zone today, so good for him. 29 yards. Might have been his first there. Devonta Freeman. Atlanta just not getting the job done, but a nice overall good game for Brian Hill getting into the end zone. Very happy for him. Out of Wyoming. Love, Love Brian Hill. But uh, unfortunately, the... Uh, there's no, there's really no job right now for running backs in Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, Mike Boone could probably easily be at least a number two running back somewhere. He's he's that good, and he's buried, along with uh, Amir Abdullah. I mean, those two guys are buried behind two excellent running backs, franchise running back in Delvin Cook, and easily a starting running back and or franchise number two back, you could say, in uh, yeah, Alexander Madison. Oh. Chris Carson, the youngster, getting some big yards for uh, Seattle today. Big, solid game. Only, I mean, you know, 90 yards. It's not a spectacular game, but he moved the ball forward, and that kind of helped get the job done. And Russell Wilson's efficiency is just unbelievable. Quarterback rating 132 in the day, but nice kind of turn-back-the-clock day for Matt Schaub. And the Atlanta Falcons, again, looks like way back in the day. Julio Jones, 152 yards at once again for the 9 billionth game of his career. No touchdowns because the just Atlanta was just not efficient enough, and Julio Jones's career is being wasted in Atlanta right now, and it's a, it's a crying shame. A couple of years ago, you thought he was going to get a ring, or you know maybe compete for compete for it a second time around, and it just didn't happen. 
a lot of people had a feeling that uh, Carolina was going to upset San Francisco today, and uh, whoa, <laughs> yeah, boy, were they wrong. Carolina had definitely been a threat, a dangerous team, and Christian McCaffrey, one of the most amazing dual threats in the NFL. A bit of a hybrid player, of course, as we've said time and time again. But, uh, man, 51-13, to 13, that's a bit of an urban legend, even though San Francisco's been good this year. They really put the whooping on the uh, Carolina Panthers, and, well, Kyle Allen was awful. Three interceptions, couldn't complete a pass, it seemed like. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo only attempted 22 passes and, pa- and uh, still managed to throw an interception, which is annoying, but an overall good, solid game for Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy GQ, I guess. GQ Jimmy Garoppolo, as some people call him. I, I guess. I guess. I don't like to think about that kind of thing all too often, I suppose. Tevon Coleman, again, former Falcon, getting 105 yards and getting into the end zone three times. So if he was like your number two or number three running back, just what he probably would be in most fantasy leagues. What a game, eh? Got in the end zone three times, and that made you feel like a million bucks, I'm sure, if you were a uh, San Francisco fan today or a uh, team uh, fantasy player, I suppose. 52 to 13, and boy, the youngster, uh, no, the youngster, Kyle Allen did not have a good game. The backup for Carolina, who had some good games the past few weeks, did not work out so well today. Carolina put in their place big time, and they're, you know, they're like the eighth seed right now in the NFC, and San Francisco is holding on to home field advantage. Whew, I mean, I, I don't know. San Francisco is one of those surprise teams, kind of like the Bears last year. Team with a good, solid defense, and you know, a quarterback that stayed healthy this time, I guess, and he's not killing them, that's for sure. Oakland, yep, another loss for them, 27-24. Houston Texans up to 5-3, and three, and they're hanging around for the playoffs and all that good stuff. We all love Deshaun Watson. Oh, Derek Carr, the frustration just continues. He puts up some numbers, he puts up some decent games, and he had three touchdowns today, and he was very, 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 very efficient against a decent Houston team, but... J.J. Watts most likely out for the season, according to his own Twitter account. He's basically like, I'm out for the year. So that's really unfortunate once again, as he can't stay healthy anymore. Deshaun Watson, three touchdowns, just like uh, Derek Carr. Slightly less efficient, but uh, really, he just attempted more passes at the end of the day. Josh Jacobs, solid game. Chris Carlos Hyde popping up along with Deshaun Watson, showing that athleticism again. Good for the uh, Houston Texans and unfortunate for Oakland. I'd like to see Oakland have success. I really would, and they're just not, and that's just how it goes. That's just how it goes. New England and uh, Cleveland, I don't know, man. I don't know about this Cleveland team, and it, it, it's too bad. Uh, the play calling, the decision making, the the lack of, I mean, it's just, they just don't have a winning culture. They just don't, and New England was toying with them, basically. And that's why they only have 27 points. They're basically just toying with them after they went up 17 nothing, Pretty much here and there, New England just did what they had to when they felt like it, basically, in this game in Gillette Stadium, a rainy day in Gillette. One of the games we got to see locally. Um, literally just toyed with Cleveland. Cleveland tried to have some moments, Baker Mayfield here and there, trying to get back in the game, 17-7, to and wasn't that all cute and, and uh, wasn't that quaint? A couple of field goals, but Right when you thought they were in the game, New England just said, okay, whatever. Yeah, we're happy for you. And then they get another drive together. Tom Brady just makes it look easy. And his his accuracy and that spiral on the ball from Tom Brady is, I mean, you're seriously though, remember Peyton Manning. And of course, he had the neck this and that. He had the neck surgery and all that. So again, that 
was going to haunt him at the end of his career in the later stages. And that's why you saw, you know, like wobbly ducks when he threw the ball. But I'm, I mean, did you ever think you'd see a 42 year old quarterback throw the way he does? Did you ever think in your lifetime you would ever see this? And I just pray to God this isn't Lance Armstrong, if you know what I'm saying. I pray to God. And it shouldn't be. You'd think somebody of Tom Brady's ilk and of the scrutiny this team has been under for the last 12 years, ever since Deflate, or not Deflategate, the Spygate came out about the 2001 Super Bowl, basically, which, yeah, it was January 2002, um, or was it February, whatever. You know, it's the last week of Jan, first week of Feb, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? You know, the Super Bowl versus the St. Louis Rams at the time. Um, the, the scrutiny this team has been under, you'd think he would have been caught by now if he was somehow cheating. It's just the way, the diet, the focus, how he just wants to win and love him, hate him. you got to respect him. I mean, the New England Patriots are unbelievable. And his home record today, today, was above five, was, a, I mean, he has more, he has 100 more wins at home than he has losses at home in his career during the regular season. Not counting the postseason, which is crazy as well, I'm sure. Obviously. Obviously, it's a big, big number. Huge number. Who's played... I mean, nobody's played more playoff games than Tom Brady. Nobody. I mean, nobody. Think think about all those Super Bowls and all the playoff games you'd have to play. The only reason why you might have less than certain players historically or, uh, you know, you're closer to certain guys is maybe they had to play three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, some of them. But, uh, you know, because the Patriots have had a hell of a lot of first-round buys. But you'd think most Super Bowl teams would have first-round buys in order to get to the big show. And back in the old days, that really old days, you only had to win two games to get to the Super Bowl anyway. So that's just kind of how it was back in the past when there were less teams. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's just kind of toying with them. Uh, uh, ultimately, his record now, as of today, after the victory, 27-13 and the 8-0 record, Tom Brady is now 119-18 and at, at home in Gillette Stadium throughout his career. That is just unbelievable. If that isn't an urban legend, I don't know what is. But then again, is it even an urban legend or is it just a spectacular statistic that pretty much will never be caught? It'll it'll never be matched. It'll never be matched. I mean, he is 101 games above 500. This isn't Major League Baseball here where, say, you're like 100 games above 500, you know, during your career at home or whatever. You know, or, you know, this team is, you know, blah, 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 during his time there. And no, this isn't Major League Baseball. You know, where you play 162 games a year. This is National Football League football. This is National Football League with only 16 games. 101 games above 500. And you don't think this is the greatest quarterback that ever lived? You don't think so? Eventually, if he was a system quarterback, that system would have been beaten by now. And even if the system was stopped, which of course they've had to adjust the system time and time again because they know what the hell they're doing. And Every offensive coach that's ever left New England has failed in other teams as head coaches. Uh, even in college, it hasn't gone so well. So I'm telling you, it's not because we want them to fail. You know, like it's not because a Bill Belichick wants them to fail or Brady wants them to fail or any NFL fan, maybe some people do. But generally speaking, you want them to fail. They just do. And it's because Belichick and Brady really are the the reasons why this team has won Super Bowls. And 101 games above 500. I, I just, that just blew my mind. I mean, there's greatness, and then there's untouchable. Tom Brady is not only the GOAT, he's he's untouchable. I mean, he is untouchable, and I, you know, I, you would, 
I would it would be the biggest shame ever if he was caught cheating somehow some way per se with like some kind of a PED or something but I truly doubt that's going to happen I truly doubt that is what's going on if it is I'd just be beyond heartbroken um, I don't even know why I'm even bringing that up uh, but then again I guess everybody assumes he's cheating one way or another you know I mean it has just been an amazing run and I'm going to continue to tip my hat to Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick it's a feat that uh I, I don't know, man. I mean, certain players are untouchable. Like, nobody's going to ever be, be... There's never going to be another Michael Jordan in the NFL. There'll never be another Wayne Gretzky in the NHL. And there'll never be another Tom Brady in the NFL. There, there never will be. There never will be. So, as much as you might be sick of him in 20 bleeping seasons, can he just retire already? You know, no. I mean, enjoy him while he's here because you're never going to see him again. You might see spectacular numbers from Patrick Mahomes. You might see great success from him if he can stay healthy anyway, which he isn't at this second. Um, you just got to hope for the best there at the end of the day. So we're going to be getting to Patrick Mahomes eventually. Hopefully he doesn't start against the Vikings, but he might. Let's look at the NFC North a bit now that I've gone on and on about this. But uh, I'm forgive me. I hope I didn't annoy anybody with that, but I had to say it. It's just facts, man. It's just facts. The Detroit Football Lions hosting the New York Football Giants. That was a good tie-in. 31-26. to They managed to get 31 points on the Giants. They put up the points. Pat Shermer went up to getting 26 on Detroit's defense, which has been but don't break, even though it broke in a million pieces last week against the Vikings. Detroit's back to 500 with their weird tie, 3-3-1 record. So they're actually ahead of the Chicago Bears right now, which is weird. Solid game today. For the Detroit Lions, of course, very good game for Matthew Stafford. Daniel Jones also had a good game, and a lot of quarterbacks are having good games against his Detroit defense. And Matt Patricia is a defensive coordinator from the New England Patriots. I mean, knock, knock, need I say more? Uh, defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, and notice how much better their defense got after he left. Remember how many yards the Patriots gave up to the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl? Do you remember how many yards it was? It was like, what, 600 or something crap like that? It was over 500. I know that much. And then they allow like like freaking like 130 against the Rams, who was supposed to be one of the great offenses in NFL history. Yeah. I mean, again, need I say more? So, God bless Matt Patricia. I have nothing against the guy. Nothing against him. But, uh, again, need I say more? I mean, I'll just leave that alone. I mean, that's just a fact speaking for itself there. New York Giants had their moments here and there, and Daniel Jones had a game of his life today. I mean, four touchdown passes, 322, 120. 24.2 quarterback rating, but Stafford was a little bit better despite the interception. Still managed to get a higher quarterback rating because of the extreme accuracy, almost 80%. Golden Tate's on the Giants. It's the weirdest thing. A good game against his former club, no doubt. And Saquon Barkley, another all-purpose running back, 64 yards rushing and 79 receiving. Good overall game for him with nine or eight catches overall, pardon me. And Kenny Galladay was spectacular. So if anybody had him in his, on your fantasy team, huge game for him. Two touchdowns, 123 on only six catches. Huge game, but he did lose a fumble along the way, which kept the Giants in the game. And Danny Amendola, the former New England Patriots, 95 yards receiving along the way, but a nice win for Detroit to kind of finally calm the fires there as they'd lost three games in a row after they've been doing so well. Extreme frustration with Detroit the past few weeks with the Packers and barely losing to the freaking Chiefs. And then getting hammered pretty good by the Vikings. I mean, that, that had to suck for Detroit. 
But it is what it is. And, uh, well, they're losing Zover for now. We'll see what happens going into the next week. The Chicago Bears had opportunity after opportunity to win the game. It looked like they had it. it looked like it was going to be easy. Then their defense eventually kind of gave up the ghost a bit to Phillip Rivers down the stretch. But then again, at the end of the day, the Bears had the ball and the lead. And Mitchell Trubisky was, uh, well, the pass rush got to him and he fumbled the ball, giving the Chargers a golden opportunity, which helped the uh, Los Angeles Chargers win their third game of the year, or at least get in the end zone. And then Mitchell Trubisky much better on the ensuing drive, and they were eating up the clock. They were being fairly smart about it, eating up the clock, getting it down. Mitchell Trubisky looked like he was going to get stacked again, and we're talking a 55-yard field goal, but then he scampers. He scampers, gets loose, good for him. And <laughs> at the end of the day, he was able to get an 11-yard carry. 11-yard carry there for a huge first down. Chicago's kicker's ready to go, 41 yards. Eddie Pinero, ready to go, 41 yards out. You think, okay, it's not an easy kick, and it's the Windy City and everything. Funny stuff happens there, but you would think, you would hope that they can wrap this up. I mean, Chicago intentionally ran the clock down, so they would just rely on the kick rather than trying to continue to get further because maybe Mitchell Trubisky will fumble again or make some weird mistake. You just, you just don't want to risk it and all that good stuff, and you don't have a great running game in Chicago, so go go get him, Eddie Pinero. You've had some good success, and he just shanks the sucker, and the Bears end up losing 17-16, to and the Bears are 3-4, and four, and I kind of feel bad for the Bears a little bit, but I'm happy for the Chargers. I mean, that's a team that's been snake bit the whole freaking year. I mean, what the hell? Pretty much since they got to Los Angeles, even though they had some really strong success in the latter stages of last season. At the end of the day, the Chargers get up to 3-5, and five, barely alive, if that rhymes. I guess it does, because they're actually only one game behind, like Tennessee and and uh, the other clubs out there, you know, just hanging on. Tennessee, Houston, they're pretty close. So they're still kind of in the hunt, Jacksonville, teams like that. Chicago, 3-4, and four, and long, long way to go. It's going to be much harder to make the NFC playoffs than it will the AFC, and the Bears most likely are toast at this point. And, uh, well, it is what it is. David Montgomery did have a good game today, though. He did. To be fair, David Montgomery was very good. It's just, I don't know, they just weren't willing to risk it. They, they just said, screw it, let's just run the clock down. And also, you don't want to give uh, <laughs> you don't want to give Philip Rivers another chance because he's led so many fourth quarter drives to win games in his career. It's unbelievable, despite the lack of success this year. It's, he has not had the success level that he's had in the past, and that probably means he's past his prime. Uh, Melvin Gordon has been awful, basically, for the Chargers since he got there, and not a good record, uh, not a good winning record with him around. But the Chargers did get a win today, their first win with Melvin Gordon on the roster. David Montgomery was a bit of a bell cow today in 27 yards, 27 rushes with uh, 135 overall, and he did scamper for 55 along the way. But Chicago, their success has dropped off the face of the earth, and with the way they romped all over us and embarrassed us weeks ago, about a month, about five weeks ago or so, hopefully Minnesota will be ready to take care of business in U.S. Bank Stadium when that day comes. Not too far down the road. Kansas City and Green Bay doing what they can right now, but will it be... Mahomes, will it be Matt Moore? I, I don't know. I'm guessing they don't want to mess with Mahomes, but at the same time, if they lose today, boy, do they really want to drop to 5-4 and four because the chances are the Vikings will beat them. It will be a nooner. So we're going back to nooners again, which is always nice. Gotta love the nooners, even though Thursdays are cool too because then I can kind of chill and come in and record the show on a Sunday with a little less pressure, I guess, even though it's the same time <laughs> essentially recording it. Kansas City Chiefs, 
hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings record in Arrowhead Stadium is uh, awful. We'll get back to that in a couple of seconds here. Chiefs, 7-5 and five all-time versus the Vikings. Only 12 meetings all-time. In fact, these two teams played for the very first time in Super Bowl number 4. And the Vikings were favored by 18 points in that game, and they scored. They were the last team to score in the game. They were the last team. The Vikings were the last team to score in the game, so that means they won, right? <laughs> the Chiefs built a 23 to 23 to nothing lead, and the Vikings finally scored late in the fourth quarter just to put something on the board. And very depressing. The Vikings couldn't do jack crap the whole game. I mean, Bill Brown only. Yeah, I mean, Bill Brown only got 26 yards. Dave Osborne, but the Vikings didn't even run all that much. Joe Cap, not the best quarterback ever. In fact, a flat, awful game for him. Two interceptions. And Gary Cuozzo, also awful, threw an interception along the way. 12.5 quarterback rating. And um, Joe Cap, 52.6. Again, multiple interceptions. Vikings could have sure used Fran Tarkington, but would, have it, would it have mattered at the end of the day? Who knows? It, you would hope it would. Lynn Dawson, well, this is 1969, so, or 1970 officially, because it was, you know, the Super Bowl. Uh, 142 yards. I mean, just a old school, super old school game where offense wasn't what it was. Teams heavily relied on their defense and uh, it was what it was. John Henderson for Minnesota led the way with 111 yards in that Super Bowl game. But unfortunately for Minnesota, the Kansas City Chiefs just buried the Vikings and things didn't work out at the end of the day. And uh, Whatever. Crappy. Crappy. Uh, Fred Cox only able to kick uh, one extra point very late in the game and very depressing game in New Orleans, Louisiana. Like we've never, we've never had depressing games in New Orleans, Louisiana, though, have we? Never, never had a depressing game in New Orleans, Louisiana, in January. Just never. We've, we've, we've we're just great there, right? Ah, uh, that was January eleventh, nineteen seventy. Vikings. Then, like we always do, the next year, after we get heartbroken by the Saints or the or the frickin' Eagles or whatever or the Falcons or the whoever. Oh, we won 27-10. to 10. We just whooped all over those Kansas City Chiefs, and that meant what? Man, absolutely bleeping nothing. So, who cares? 27-10 to 10 in, uh, <laughs> in in Metropolitan Stadium, the old Met Stadium, and it meant a whole lot of nothing. You know, Vikings didn't get back to the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs didn't get back to the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs have never been back, and the Vikings went back three times later on with Francis, and things didn't go so well. Ah, Vikings ended up winning the next one, 35-15 to 15 in Kansas City in 1974. In 1981, six whole, no, seven whole years later, the Vikings lost at home in one of the last games in Metropolitan Stadium, December the 20th, 10-6. to six. And then nine years later, just imagine these stretches, nine years later, Chiefs beat the Vikings in 1990 during that frustrated season, frustrating season in 1990. Chiefs defeat the Vikings 24-21. to 1993, I remember this very well. Jim McMahon at the quarterback. The Vikings needed a win desperately to get in the postseason. And we roll all over Joe Montana's Kansas City Chiefs in the Metrodome, 30-10. to 10. Incredible record when you look at it. I'm going to back up here. So the Vikings have won in Kansas City at least once. Yep. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln has been the play. So the Vikings, before I officially started watching them, uh, hardcore in 1992, just kind of casually off and on before that. The Vikings only played five games against the Chiefs, which is insane. So a 20-year period, and you could argue a 29-year period because the Vikings started in 61, of course. 
29-year period, the Vikings had only played the Chiefs five times. And again, the AFC and NFC ended up merging into a, the National Football League not long after that. The Vikings were one of the last NFL champions to exist without a Super Bowl ring, damn it. So 1993, again, Jim McMahon leading the way. And, the, and you know, Barry Word and all those guys in 1993. I remember that team very well. Fod Revez. Oh. <laughs> yep, how can you forget? Yep, the Vikings needed to get their eighth win of the season. They ended up winning the next week to get to 9-7, and seven, only to get beat pretty badly by the Giants. Well, not badly. They just choked because the Giants did the Vikings. Uh, Scotty Graham, that's who I thought it was. That's who was the real hero, not Barry Word. Barry Word was a part of things. Barry Word was a former Kansas City Chief. But Scotty Graham was the big star. Definitely a bell cow. 33 attempts, but he was awesome. Five yards of carry and 166 yards. Scotty Graham, the former substitute teacher, which was a nice hero, number 33 for Minnesota back in the day, 93. I remember Scotty Graham, and that was a very memorable game for us as Viking fans. Minnesota hosted the Kansas City Chiefs in 96 and got rolled pretty good. 21-6 in 1999. I remember that very well. That ended up costing the Vikings any type of chance of winning the division in 1999 when we were still kind of hanging around trying to pass the Tampa Bay Bucks. Back and forth type of game. Very, very frustrating. And then, uh, what was that guy's name? I can't remember his name. Oh, I'll, I'll see it now in a second. I'll remember it in a heartbeat. The former Miami Dolphin kicker. That's who he was. Ended up kicking the game winner. Pete Stanovich. Yep. Son of a biscuit. Yep. And yeah, and you knew he was going to make it from 38 yards out. You just knew it. Uh, Randy Moss had the huge punt return. That was freaking cool. I still remember that. Pat, Randy Moss was on special teams in that game in 1999 and took it to the took it to the house, tying the game up. Very very close to the end. You're hoping you could stay out of it and miss, and you could go to overtime. But the veteran at the time, the former Miami Dolphin kicker, Stanovich nailed it, and uh, off they went. The Chiefs moved on and won that game, but they were, yeah, they were a decent team that year. Didn't do a whole lot after that, but uh, Arrowhead Stadium has been a, it's been a place of doom for Minnesota, because, uh, let me look at this. The last time the Vikings beat the Chiefs in Kansas City was, yep, it was 1974, and Arrowhead Stadium, pretty sure it didn't exist that far back. In fact, there's just no way. So the Vikings have never won in Arrowhead Stadium, and that's the last time the Vikings have won in Kansas City. Uh, the Vikings had never beaten the Jets before last year, so that was kind of cool in uh, in uh, New York. So ever, ever in their history, so they had never won in Kansas. They've never they had never won in New York against the Jets until last year, which is pretty shocking when you think about that. That's an urban legend in itself. So can the Vikings end the drought? It's been, gosh, it's been <laughs> it's been forty forty five years since the Vikings have uh, forty five years since the Vikings have won in Kansas City, Missouri. 45 years. So, well, can we end the drought? Can the Vikings end the drought against the Kansas City Chiefs? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Well, that's what it's going to have to be because uh, we're going to have to play in Arrowhead Stadium. Packers are beating them right now, 14-7. to It's a beautiful thing, I guess, if you're a Chiefs fan. Other than that, though, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Chiefs, obviously, a dangerous team. Especially if Patrick Mahomes is healthy, but of course you got all these other weapons. Matt Moore so far has thrown one touchdown. LaShawn McCoy, the veteran former uh, Buffalo Bill running back. Travis Kelsey is very dangerous, obviously. Tyreek Hill, extremely elite, uh, an elite wide receiver. I'm more worried about Kelsey though, because the Vikings have struggled against tight ends forever, for the most part. The running game doesn't scare me a whole lot, even though LaShawn McCoy had some good moments. 
with Buffalo and such. He hasn't done a whole lot for Kansas City this year. It's all about Patrick Mahomes if he comes back. And again, Vikings have never won an Arrowhead Stadium. That's just a fact. That is just a fact. Plain and simple. And Kelsey is the guy that's gotten in the end zone so far from Matt Moore thus far. Matt Moore is a decent quarterback. And 10 years ago when the Vikings needed to defeat the Carolina Panthers and get home field advantage, that was just one of the games that would have helped us get it anyway over the Saints. Because, well, you just win one bleeping game, you're ahead of the Saints. Because we were tied. We were both 12-4 and at the time. Vikings and Saints were 12-4, and four, but the Saints had a tiebreaker. Vikings are 13-3 and three with Brett Favre, and were probably in the Super Bowl and very possibly winning it, even though the Vikings had never beaten Peyton Manning before. There's no better place to end a drought than in the biggest game in the world. Uh, but we'll never know, unfortunately. We will never know. Dustin Colquitt, of course, the brother of Quinton, uh, <laughs> Britton Colquitt, pardon me, Quinton, Britton Colquitt of the Minnesota Vikings has a 48-yard punt right now. So Dustin and Qui- and uh, Dustin and Britton will be, uh, there'll, there'll be a little conversation about their brothers, the Colquitt brothers, the Colquitt punters in the National Football League from Tennessee there. Um, yeah, it's a cute story, I guess. Alex Okafer, obviously a threat with Kansas City, among many others. It's a team filled with talent. Their defense is beatable, very beatable. Their offense is scary, of course. They're number one in the league in passing yards. 25th in rushing because, well, they just have a... I mean, there's a reason why they signed LaShawn McCoy because, well, the other star running back they had is no longer on the team anymore. He's, he's long gone, so it is what it is. They cut him, and he went up in Cleveland, and he's not doing so much there either at this stage. So that's just kind of what that is. What a bleeping mess. What a bleeping mess with that guy. We'll just leave that out, but... Um, We'll just have to leave that out. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, if somehow, some way, he's able to play 15-1 and one in terms of touchdowns and interceptions. An overall spectacular season. He does fumble a little bit, this and that. Matt Moore, we'll see what happens. LaShawn McCoy is the only running back they have, honestly, at this point. Patrick Mahomes is second on the team in running, or rushing with 82 yards. Travis Kelsey is the other big threat. And, of course, Terry Kill's a threat, but he's missed a lot of games leading in. Definitely a huge threat, though. Uh, still a very young guy out of West Alabama. West Alabama, isn't that just a son of a gun? I mean, you keep coming back and thinking, oh boy, this number one, you know, number first round receiver, very rarely, with the exception of Julio Jones and such, do they end up being nearly as good as they are because a lot of good wide receivers come in the later rounds or undrafted and such. I mean, Stefan Diggs was the fifth round pick in 2015. Terry Kill, fifth round pick in 2016. Both of them are a hell of a lot better than Laquan Credwell. We don't even need to talk about that name anymore, but it's just a fact. I mean, <laughs> what more can you say? I mean, Tyreek Hill, 1,400 yards, almost 1,500 yards last year and 12 touchdowns, and it didn't hurt that his quarterback was Patrick Mahomes, but it's not like Alex Smith sucked. He was actually pretty good. Uh, we all know that. Patrick Mahomes absolutely spectacular. Uh, Kansas City's overall defense is, is it's another bend-but-don't-break defense. I mean, it's nothing you can brag about. For me, it's almost just like history is on Kansas City's side, which scares the crap out of me. Uh, it scares the crap out of me. It's just one of those, like, I'll believe it when I see it type of things. Even though I think the Vikings absolutely can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And for me, they absolutely can freaking do it. Uh, I'm just terrified to... Uh, I'm just terrified to even go there at this point, though. <sighs> Kansas City fairly... Stingy and giving up points. They're, you know, they're not definitely not bad. We're kind of in the middle of the pack, slightly upper level here, giving up 20, 21.4 points a game. 
defensively thus far this year. Overall, overall defense yardage, they're in the lower half. I would say they're in like the lower third of the NFL in that stages. Rushing yards allowed for the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, they are, give, they give up 148 yards a game in the rushing category. So get your Dalvin Cook uh, jerseys rolling again. They are way at the bottom. In fact, they are the fourth worst team in the NFL in giving up rush yards. Only Cleveland, Miami, and Cincinnati, those three juggernauts, give up more rushing yards than the Kansas City Chiefs. So very, very interesting there. When you think about that, that's kind of important. Past defense from the Chiefs, definitely more, a uh, little more stingy. So you can kind of guess which where, where the game plan could be heading, especially on the road. I do expect Kirk Cousins to be out there uh, passing for over 200 yards. The Chiefs give up 20, uh, 228 yards a game so far, before today's game anyway. Again, so of course these numbers could change a bit. I don't expect Green Bay to uh, change it too much. I think it kind of is what it is. So, of course, again, Aaron Rodgers is obviously what he is, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But uh, definitely a, a, a big weakness in, in, against the run. And this is a team that has, well, I mean, again, they, it's a Ben Bethroke break defense. They've been beaten, though, with the running game, almost 150 yards a game, which can kill you. So if you're behind, you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're behind, I think you're screwed. If the Vikings can somehow get a lead on the Chiefs, with the way this uh, defense is, the offense has been playing part of me for Minnesota the past several weeks here now. I mean, getting 42 points against Detroit. I mean, you put up something like that against Kansas City, I think you're going to win the game for sure. And I know putting up 42 points against Kansas City is far-fetched, depending on who's the quarterback and how long the Chiefs have the ball. Because if Patrick Mahomes has the ball, it's not going to matter a whole lot. It's going to be a tough, tough matchup. It might be one of those super high-scoring games because the Vikings' defense hasn't been as good as it was in the past either. Uh, but again, that's a pretty glaring weakness. I expect to see a lot of Delvin Cook, a lot of Alexander Madison, and probably Amir Abdullah, and even uh, Mike Boone in the game at one point or another. But uh, I, I expect Delvin Cook to get in the 130s, and also the, the screen game and such uh, to be to be involved. Um, I could definitely see the Vikings involving, again, some of that play action and such. And you can see one of those deep passes of Stefan Diggs that ends up uh, helping the Vikings pull away from the Kansas City Chiefs. It's just, historically, the Vikings never win in that stupid stadium. That, that's what scares me. And, of course, if Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, the Chiefs are going to win the game. If Matt Moore is the quarterback, the Vikings need to win the game. They need to win this game. Absolutely. It's a golden opportunity you'll be just throwing away. It's not like Matt Moore sucks, but he's nowhere near Patrick Mahomes, and I think the Vikings, I think it's safe to say the Vikings are a better football team than a Matt Moore-led Kansas City Chiefs team. LaShawn McCoy is your running back. Terry Kill's obviously a great wide receiver. Travis Kelsey's ever dangerous, but with run defense that gives up 148-plus yards a game, I think there's no excuse the Vikings win the football game. It'll be a mixed, balanced offense, but you're going to see some big yardage from Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison possibly... 70 yards, something like that. Maybe he gets in the end zone again for a second touchdown or Cook winds up with two or three overall. I think Cook is going to be... I mean, I think if Matt Moore's the quarterback, put it this way, if Matt Moore's the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, I think we'll be talking about Delvin Cook as the Fran Targeting Award winner again next week. Unless there's some spectacular effort by Daniel Hunter or something, stacking uh, Matt Moore like three times or something that ends up being big moments that put the Kansas City Chiefs on ice. If Matt Moore is the quarterback, Minnesota wins the football game. Something along the likes of 
I, I think Minnesota scores points on the Chiefs team. I mean, they, they give up points. They give up 21 points and all that such. They give up some points. I mean, they're fairly stingy and all that. Ben, but don't break. But that's because Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback and they just dominated and such. Like, they had the ball. He could do whatever he wanted. He could burn the clock, blah, blah, blah. But otherwise, there were some quick plays that were spectacular deep throws, and I don't think the Vikings secondary would have a chance against Patrick Mahomes. I don't think the Vikings secondary would have a chance. If Patrick Mahomes suits up next week, the Chiefs win the game, and it's going to be high scoring. It's going to be pretty awful, but the Vikings will be in it. It'll be kind of similar to the Los Angeles game last year, like a 34-31 to 31 type of game. I'd go to a 38-34. The Chiefs win the game if uh, Patrick Mahomes is healthy, but if Matt Moore is the quarterback, I expect Minnesota to win the game 31-24. to 24. Minnesota wins the game 31-24 to 24 over the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe 31-27. But the Vikings get in the 30s one way or another in this game. And Dalvin Cook is going to find a way to 130-some yards. Now, again, it's crucial that the Vikings have a lead so they can end up uh, running the ball more and more. And if we have the chance to do that, you're going to see Madison possibly get his first century type of game in the later stages, because you might see Madison as the guy kind of burning out the clock, not Delvin Cook down the stretch, and he is an ever-capable guy of doing that with his high IQ, his, his strength, and just kind of all the above. Alexander Madison is an awesome running back, and I'm so happy to have that guy on this on this roster. Uh, I think the Vikings, I, more than likely, it's going to be Matt Moore, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs wind up, if, if the Chiefs lose to Green Bay today, that Patrick Mahomes is the starter. He's just going to be magically ready to go, that type of thing. Because the season will kind of be on the line for the Chiefs. I mean, if they're... Yeah, I mean, they can't afford to go 5-4. and four. That's like, kind of like, they're kind of screwed. They'd have to like run the table pretty much to get anything near being even a first-round buy type of team. Much less, you know, you know, I mean, they make, make the playoffs much less be a first-round buy type of team. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough for the Chiefs to get that even though the bottom of the AFC is pretty weak. With that said, I've gone really, really long in this segment. I mean, as long as I probably ever have, because I had a lot to say about Brady, a lot to say about the Chiefs, some interesting such, and other topics along the way during this segment. So we'll take a break, come back, and wrap things up with fan interaction. You'll be hearing from Mad Martin yet again. Purple Friday, Joey. Well, I'm sitting in Key Largo enjoying a bit of sunshine and uh, sending you this little message. Um, hey, it wasn't a great game, but what do you expect from a, a Thursday night primetime game with the Purple? Um, I would not have been shocked if we'd lost. Um, historically, we play rubbish on a Thursday night. Anyway, I think we've beaten the Browns once and Possibly, if I memory serves me, this would be our second victory against Washington on the Thursday, and we've never won another game. So, um, hey, it's a good position to be in. Now, if you'd said to me after that Chicago debacle that we would be at six and two at the turn, I would have said you need mental therapy or something. So, yeah, it's a good position to be in. Listen to the podcast yesterday. Yesterday. Um, and you said, we're Super Bowl contenders. Mm, I won't believe that till we're in the Super Bowl. <sighs> you know, looking f- ahead, they could potentially win every game they've got left. That's a big if. And I'm not prepared to start drinking purple Kool-Aid yet. 
a few issues there. Rhodes, I don't know if he's playing injured, but he's not playing well. Way too many penalties coming from the O-line, especially um, Elfin. But, hey, it it was a win. An ugly win, but it was a win, and that is all that matters. Um, what else can I say? Yeah, positive. Uh, hopefully we beat... Uh, who I don't know who we've got next is it to Kansas or Dallas um, winnable fingers crossed I see Green Bay have um, KC unfortunately they don't have their, their monstrous quarterback so that's probably a win for them as well um, we've, we've got to hope now that uh, Green Bay do drop a couple of games in this pack straight uh, and we're going to need to pretty much I think win out to win the division and gives us give us ourselves home field advantage in the playoffs. But um, again, after that uh, Chicago game, I didn't even think we'd made the playoffs. So uh, it's looking good. Skull brothers and sisters, um, enjoy the weekend and uh, enjoy the win. And I can't thank you enough. Once again, Dave Martin, Mad Martin, the Twitter king, and of course, from Northern Scotland, one of the coolest people ever. And he's definitely the call-in king as well. He has just been spectacular. Uh, hanging out in Florida, eh? I could hear the wind blowing and hope you had a good time there. Sounds like it. Soaking in some sun and such, which I think we could use a little bit of sun around here, even though some days we had it and some days we didn't. Not liking how this World Series is going now. Uh, boy, I was pretty happy the first two games, and I am, I don't know. It's looking more and more like Houston's going to get their second World Series in three years. 4 nothing Houston, as I'm talking right now in Game 5. They're about to take a three-games-to-two lead. Maybe it'll be an anti-87-91 where the road team wins every single game. And that's how the Nationals would win the World Series, is they'd have to win every single road game. Just like Houston won every single road game. Darndest thing I've ever seen. Um, that's weird, but it never gets weirder. Uh, uh, you know... Uh, I mean, it's weird enough. I mean, it's just going to keep getting weirder everywhere you go. Thanks, uh, Mad Martin, though. But yes, you're saying how basically how... No, I, I didn't really mean it as Super Bowl contenders. I said it, maybe we could be, you know, we're maybe becoming conference contenders, if not Super Bowl contenders, especially if you can beat... That was the thing I was saying, is that we could somehow beat teams like Kansas City, Dallas, Seattle. But no, I understand. We're not Super Bowl contenders until we actually make it. I, I kind of get that because it's been 43 years. I mean, 43 is a long freaking time. So um, that, and yes, a lot of the games coming up are winnable. Dallas is winnable. Kansas City is winnable. Chiefs are actually beating Green Bay right now. Uh, at, as we're approaching halftime, Packers trying to get in the field goal range with uh, 28 seconds left, whatever, clock's ticking and such. We'll see what happens here. But it looks like the Chiefs are actually ahead heading in, which is kind of surprising. Mad Martin, Mad Martin. Yep, thank you again. That was awesome. Um, always love those calls. Can't appreciate, I uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate them. Lakers, Pies, Browns, and Vinrock, uh, Lakers, Pies, Browns, which is, who is Vinrock, Vince Germano, and tonight, Wilson Brown. Vince Germano out of Australia, and co-host of the Courtside Podcast. Great basketball show, and I've met a lot of great people from Australia, thanks to uh, Vinrock, Vince Germano, and of course, New Zealand as well, with uh, Tanae and Levi Brown. You guys are the greatest. Thank you so much. Tanae is also a Viking fan and listens to this show, and thank you so much. Uh, Tanae Brown, or excuse me, Vince Germano, is a Lakers and Cleveland Browns fan, which is totally fine. I love the Cleveland Browns. I want them to be successful, so it was kind of torn between a couple of lovers there with Cleveland and uh, New England. 
happy to see New England having major success, but uh, the way they just kind of toyed with Cleveland was tough, tough to watch. It, it's painful. Um, I feel I feel for Vince, and I, I, I like to see Cleveland have some success. I mean, they have some of the sweetest uniforms in the NFL, and I'm going to say that for real. Thank you guys for retweeting, though. That is just spectacular. Uh, Mad Martin says, very pleasant day, but I cannot remember the last time I missed an afternoon game live, and that was in Florida. Impressive from the O and the O-line yesterday, but Zimmer, but a Zimmer D giving up 30 points, that's worrying. It is worrying. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird, and it's getting worse. Um, we continue. That was against the uh, Detroit Lions, so we're kind of back forth here a bit. This was, uh, again, after the show was uh, released, so that's part of the reason why I'm reading it now, which is fine, because, uh, you know, that's how it goes. We're getting caught up. Matt Martin continues, says, was never on the Cousins bandwagon, but I give the guy credit for the bounce back these past three games. Could have gone the other way after a horrible Bears game, but we'll hold judgment until they play another top 10 D, and that's a big deal. That's a big deal. They have to be successful against the top 10 D. Kansas City will maintain the lead heading into halftime, which, you know, with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, that doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just a three-point lead, so unless they're blowing them out, which they are not. We'll move on. Tene Brown says, a lot of penalties in the first half, extending drives. I was worried about that. Again, this is the Detroit game. Thought there might be a few makeup calls in favor of the Lions after last week's game, but the discipline on the defense was lacking, too, and yeah, Xavier Rhodes has just lost it. It's pass interference after pass interference. It really is. Not liking how this is going for the Nationals. And, oh boy. Well, the World Series is going to end in Houston one way or another. Hopefully with the Nationals holding the trophy. But we'll see. Uh, That ended last night. Any hope of Washington hosting a World Championship ended last night when the Houston Astros (coughs) crushed the Nationals. Much to my chagrin. At the end of the day, Matt Martin says the D was not sharp today. Zimmer needs to deal with that, but to get out of Detroit with a W, a great result. And yeah, what most of our losses to Detroit have been in Detroit, not in uh, Metrodome or Met Stadium or, of course, uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. So that's good. Matt Martin continues, though we did lose a game to them in U.S. Bank Stadium in 2017. We actually, the, the road teams traded victories in that series in 2017, which is extremely rare. It's usually the opposite. Matt Martin on the plane, on the plane. Plan to listen to the podcast today if time allows. There was a nice photograph there on the plane taken off from in the Florida area, Florida. Who's saying hope is hope all is okay? And thank you very much. Hope all is okay with you as well. Mad Martin says, I'm ready. Let's get that that six and two record, my friend. And there he was, getting that Domino's pizza ready to roll. Vikings hosting. The Redskins, Mad Martin continues saying, hope this is not a trap game, and it almost was, for the love of, was that Diggs fumble a tribute to AP? And it felt like it was. It really was. He says, should I jump off the Rose bandwagon? Yes. Should I jump on the replace Rose bandwagon? Uh, that's what he meant to say. Yeah, that is what he's saying. Not meant to say. I read it wrong. Um, I think it is. I think it's time to replace him, yes. Uh, the uh, Mike Hughes, I, I think Mike Hughes and... Uh, Xavier Rhodes should be flipped like the roles should be flipped. It's like you don't bench Rhodes completely, but you limit him. You take him out, and uh, you kind of move on from there. At the end of the day, it is what it is. Chris Sims, I don't think it's the, yeah, I don't think he's the former uh, Giants quarterback, but Chris Sims says it's getting crowded. That's interesting. Yep, yep, the bandwagon on replacing Xavier Rhodes. Yes, it is getting crowded. Yes, it is, Chris. Uh, Yep. Let's see, I wonder if he's following. Yes, he is. Thank you very much. Cool. Wyoming Cowboys fan. Hey, I don't like the color of our avalanche, but Wyoming Cowboys, Chris? All right. 
So if you happen to be a listener to the show, welcome aboard, Chris, and thank you for jumping in the convo there. Wyoming Cowboys, hey, I'm a fan too. I have a hat right over there. There's a hat right on the couch. I can see it. It's actually the closest hat to me right now. The Wyoming Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Yes. Not the Dallas Cowboys, okay? Don't even go there. Okay, next. Mad Martin says, This has all the hallmarks of that Bills game last season. Add that to its prime time, but I still think we win. Or am I just insane? Well, luckily, the Redskins were pretty bad. And, of course, uh, much to everyone's chagrin, because you'd rather see Case Keenum not get hurt. He did get hurt. Um, Vikings probably should have beaten them anyway. It's just, yeah. Oh, it was scary. It was really freaking bad for at least the first half there. And the Vikings finally, at the last second in the second quarter, finally got things going in the right direction and ended up getting a win slowly but surely down the stretch. Mm, mm, mm. He says, enjoyed the podcast on the beach. Super Bowl contenders, only if they make the Super Bowl. But I love your optimism. I didn't, yeah, I mean, like I was saying, I didn't really say that, say they're Super Bowl contenders until they get past these, these you know, if they can get uh, past, like, say, Seattle, Kansas City, teams like that. If they can win games like Seattle, Kansas City, then I think they could be a Super Bowl contender, sure. But, uh, of course, you have to pass Green Bay first to really get too cocky and too excited. So, no, I mean, I didn't really mean that we are Super Bowl contenders. I'm just saying we could be uh, with a couple of steps here. Um, we have to get there first. Like, don't cross that bridge until we get there. Maybe I did say it that way. I certainly didn't mean it that way. So it's possible it came out funky. Mad Martin continues saying Zimmer's a clock management position, basically. And 11 seconds left and two timeouts. Yeah, that is pretty weird. That was pretty weird. Mm-hmm. Victory Friday. Now this is one. Now this is how one should record a podcast. Yep, wearing the the Viking purple. Cool. There you go. Yep, and that's a good way to go. I like that. Uh, that's a nice look there. Number ninety-one. Continuing, Sam Gupta says, "Totally agree. That was some ridiculous, serious mid-nineties style boring football." about the quietest 400-plus yards of offense I've ever seen. Now, this is from Ali Siddiqui. So he's actually replying to Ali Siddiqui, which is totally fine. So I know who he is. Obviously, Ali and I follow each other, as does Sam Gupta. So Ali says, Toughest Viking games left are at Kansas City, Dallas, and Seattle. I originally had all three as losses. I did, too. Uh, Seattle, I still think, is a loss, and I do, too. (laughs) I do, too. We never win there. Kansas City could be a win, win with or without Mahomes. With or without Mahomes, Dallas is interesting. Yeah, we almost never win in Dallas either, by the way, which is annoying. It's all three of these. We almost never win in those freaking places. In fact, I can't remember winning in any of them. I can't. Uh, Kansas City, I obviously can't because it was 1974. Dallas, maybe in the 80s. It certainly wasn't in the 90s, I'm telling you. Let me tell you. ha, <laughs> ha. Seattle, I, same thing. But they were actually kind of halfway okay in the 80s. It was the early 90s that Seattle stunk. But, like, we could never beat that freaking team. They're also another team we didn't play a whole lot. Uh, Seattle used to be an AFC team way back in the day. So, way back in the old days, they were an AFC team, which is weird to imagine. Back when uh, Rick Meyer was the quarterback and beyond. And, of course, Mike Tice is a former Seahawk. And, apparently, he even does a podcast, which is kind of cool. What is it? Odds and Ends with Mike Tice? Sounds interesting. Sounds interesting. We'll continue. Um, he says, win one of three minimum, and they'll be in very good shape. Yeah, I mean, you'll be in good shape. You could go for 11-5, and five, something like that. Uh, Ali continues saying, Vikings may need to go 12-4 and four to win the division. Packers will likely be 7-1 and one after Sunday, and don't have a very tough schedule. Yeah, because they stunk last year. Packers stunk last year. They did. 
It was the Bears that basically ruled over everyone. Um, we'll keep moving. Keep moving. That's it. That's actually it. So thanks. And I'll, I'll wrap up with what Vince had to say here. I love the Browns. I really do. But something isn't right with this team. Too much talent to be like this. And yeah, and me and him were actually having that same conversation on uh, Facebook Messenger around the same time. Um, yeah, I, I think they're too talented to be like that too. It, it's it's a culture thing. And I don't think uh, I don't think Odell Beckham is good news. I think he's bad news. I, I really do. That guy's a punk. Uh, too many guys like that. I mean, I even think Stefan Diggs sometimes is bad news, but apparently he isn't, actually. Uh, apparently what he did was the right thing, which is rare. He actually did the right thing, and it seemed to wake a lot, uh, everybody up. Now, this is all on the Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show. For the sake of moving on, I better do that. We're over an hour and 31 minutes in for a regular week show, which some people love, and some people might say, that's kind of long, man. But uh, either way, appreciate you for those of you that do like it long, because it's going to be long this week, apparently. It sure is. We'll continue. The number's not good last week, either. I don't know. It seems like those midweek games never do well, even though the Vikings are 6-2. and two. Maybe people are not too excited after barely beating a Washington team that wasn't that good. Uh, and you got another interesting story, too, flying around. The Vikings uh, player, who ended up being... Yeah, it sucks. J. Ron Curse, our starting safety, or a starting, I mean, a valuable player, a valuable player, obviously one of the safeties on this team who started definitely arrested on suspicion of DUI and carrying a gun, so we'll see what happens there. Is he going to get suspended? Is this or that going to happen? It's kind of a crappy situation there. Uh, Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota, so I'm actually jumping ahead because this was before, this was like this morning, Sunday morning. Brett McCarthy, South Dakota, Hall of Famer says, sad, these guys need to think Good player, he will be missed. Good player, he will be missed. Hmm. Gerald Drinks is too bad. He went too bad. We had went without this kind of nonsense for quite a while. Yeah, I agree, Gerald, out of Nebraska. Mark Carlson says bad decisions, and David Abraham was correcting me saying J-Ron, because I put Javon Curse. How stupid of me. I was stuck thinking about Javon Curse, the former, uh, yeah, that's just a dumb mistake. So I apologize to... Uh, uh, David Abraham probably got a good laugh out of it. Mike Carlson's laughing at it. That's for sure. So, <laughs> understandable. Let's see if there's anything new popping up. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show is the Facebook page. Now, of course, I'm giving a shout out to Emin Vikings Haven as well. Do look up that page for in-game threads, in-week conversation, this and that. And, I don't know, it seemed like a quiet week, didn't it? It really did. There was no comments on the previous show. That's just really, really, really rare. Work smarter, not harder. Uh, In-game thread, a bit back and forth. Eric Mostard, South Dakota, says this is a game the Vikings should absolutely dominate on both sides of the ball because it's on because it is on Thursday night and preparing for the worst. A long Madison run without a hold. Minnesota miracle. Yeah, that was pretty cool indeed. Diggs is getting too cute. Hopefully the D can stop. AP, and yeah, that was frustrating without a doubt. Mark Carlson loves Alexander. He says he's a stud. Joey... Joey, is this is this thunder and lightning I've been seeing tonight? Yes, it is. Uh, Dalvin Cook is the lightning because he can explode, and then Madison's the thunder. So you got to love what's going on. Uh, there's, there is no earth, wind, and fire necessarily, unless you want to include uh, Amir Abdullah or Mike Boone, but they're, they, know, they just don't get the snaps to be earth, wind, and fire like the Giants had back in the day. It's more like the thunder and lightning. A whole lot. Ron Dane, and uh, we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> Ron Dane wasn't that good, so we'll leave that alone. <laughs> These guys are a lot better than what they had in uh, uh, New York years ago. 
but we'll move on from that. Dave Hickey, Iowa. Justin Mary Henry out of uh, Colorado says, better score now after getting that back. Diggs needs a redemption touchdown. Yeah, after the fumble. Yep. Dave Hickey says, there are going to be a lot of sore players after that. One, because the, the skins hit us hard, but a win is a win. At least it wasn't like the Bills game last year, but one year later, the Bills got a good team going, so any given Sunday or Thursday, for that matter, anything can happen. Yes, it can. And the defense stood strong when it needed to. And, of course, the bad quarterbacking of uh, the Haskins are just isn't ready yet. So that just kind of is what it is. That just kind of is what it is. Looking for the post-game thread here now. Moving forward. And it popped away. It popped up, popped away, popped back, popped away. Gerald String, Nebraska, says... Actually, the Redskins' D-line is better than what they got get, get credit for. They were pretty good, man. They really were. Amazingly, Cousins handled it a lot better than he usually does in those situations. Had a couple throwaways when it was the right thing to do. No picks and no fumbles. Diggs is a great athlete, but kind of a head case. Doing a stupid little dance after he fumbles on a previous dive. Don't think he really gets it upstairs sometimes. I don't think so either. And a lot of wide receivers are wired that way, and it's weird. Delvin Cook, uh, he says, Delvin Cook is totally amazing. I think he got 50 yards of just pushing and carrying defenders, which is amazing. Yep, what a stud. Xavier either is either hurt or just getting slower, and I would say it's a little both. Uh, whatever the case, he's becoming a liability. I think we'll, we will move on from him next year if he doesn't show significant improvement, I would guess. He was completely lost. He has completely lost all his fundamentals of a solid shutdown corner. Time to hit reset button, rest up 10 days, and see what we can do in Kansas City. I'm back to thinking we will be the underdogs depending on if you know who is back at quarterback for KC. Yep. If he's back, I don't like our chances. And nope, me neither. I think they score 40 points, honest to God. 38 to 40 points against this Viking secondary. I, I think we're done. You know, I think we're done if we go against Patrick Mahomes. So that's one of the reasons why it will be very tough for the Vikings to be a Super Bowl contender. It would have to be something like Mike Hughes becoming a full-time starter and being spectacular because you cannot put uh, McKenzie Alexander at, at uh, wide corner. He has to, He's a slot corner. It just is what it is. You know, you got Trey Waynes. He's a wide corner. Xavier Rose is a wide corner. Mike Hughes is kind of a tweener. He can kind of be both, but he's more of a... He Generally, he's, he plays wide corner in place of uh, Xavier Rose at times. And I think uh, Mike Hughes, if he can continue to be as good as he is, thank God the Vikings took him as... All of us that were extremely frustrated with the Vikings passing on uh, Hernandez, Will Hernandez, or uh, uh, Daniels, James Daniels from the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes last uh, last draft, 2018. As frustrated as a lot of us were, look how good that Mikey's draft pick truly is. You know, despite the fact the poor guy had an ACL or, uh, kind of early to midway through the season last year, which wasn't his fault, of course. That's just a freak of nature type of thing. Think about what an important draft pick that truly was. And then the extreme luck we had with uh, Brian O'Neill floating around in the second round, later half of the second round, because he was underdeveloped and, you know, he needed to bulk up a bit, this and that. And what a what a freaking find he has been for Minnesota coming out of Pittsburgh. We don't really usually think of Pittsburgh in college football all that often. Maybe once in a blue moon, but not very often. You think of Alabama, you think of Clemson. You think of Ohio State, you think of Iowa, you think of Wisconsin, you think of the Gophers because they're local. <clears throat> but then again, they are really good this year so far. Um, but no, you think of Penn State. Yeah, you get the idea. You don't think of Pitt's Pitt. You don't think of Pitt. But, well, Pitt gave us a guy who is 
far better than a word that might rhyme with pet. He's done a hell of a job. Uh, let's move on. Leland Albertson, who I think is a awesome guy out of Iowa and a star candidate every week. He says the O-line had a lot of mental mistakes. The receivers had a few mental mistakes like catching short, like catching short, etc. They need to tighten that up. Cousins handled the pressure very well and they did pressure him. They are moving up from being a good team to a very good team. Still not great. Yeah, and I'll say very good. Yes, yeah, still not great, but just keep it going and we'll see by the end of the season. Brett McCarthy says stop Sir, excuse me, sloppy play by Elf Lion. I don't know what his deal was. That many holding calls is unacceptable. Had to settle for field goals instead of touchdowns, but a win's a win's goal. And yes, the Vikings offense, the Vikings would have put up more points if not for those kind of situations. Stephen A. Smith is back in the house. He says, if it wasn't for holding penalties, yep, Elf Line, we would have dominated more. But I'm just happy it didn't turn out like the Bills game last year. And boy, oh boy, am I too. When, uh, Bradley Reef had the sore foot and all that crap was taking place, and he just got run into the ground. Yeah. Ali Sidikai says, and he's local, not a very good win, but I'll take it, and I agree with you, brother. Eric Mustard wraps up this section, says, I mean, it wasn't that ugly of a win. In the context of how well, uh, of how we played the last three weeks, it was damned ugly. <laughs> it was damned ugly. If my math is correct, according to Wikipedia, We've only won Thursday night football games against the Browns and Redskins twice. Wow. Uh, twice. Browns and Redskins twice. Now we've lost every other single game. Huh. Wow. Oh, yeah. Man, that's really crazy. That's really crazy. Huh. That's interesting. Um, dang. That's really interesting. That's not very much, huh? That's crazy. Wow, that's an interesting anecdote you brought up there, Eric Mustard. Yep, he's definitely going to get a star today. Um, shoot, you guys are awesome. Thank you guys for the conversation back and forth, this and that. It's always tough to make a choice. Um, gold star this week? Boy, ah, man. I always love Brett McCarthy's inclusion. Gerald Sring, nice, incredible ton of things to say there. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I'm going to give it to... And I like the inclusion all during the course of the conversation. Eric Mustard is going to get the gold star for this week. Cool anecdote you brought up there at the very end. And, of course, some interesting conversation during the game as well, which I didn't read all of because this is such a long show already. Super long. Uh, I can't even go back and forth, but it's already like an hour and 45 minutes. Usually a weekly show shouldn't be this long, but it, it can be. It can be. Of course it is. Look at local radio. What am I saying? But, uh, God, you talk for like... Score North goes on for four hours about the Vikings with multiple shows. Uh, combining the four hours. Uh, it's unbelievably big. But uh, no. Eric Mustard out of South Dakota will ring in the gold star. I'm not sure if it's first or second for him, uh, but he's been a, a factor the past couple of years. It's been awesome. Uh, Silver star is going to be shared by Leland and Gerald. Leland, or excuse me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Leland and Gerald will share the uh, Silver star today. Mad Martin is going to get the uh, Bronze Star at the end of the day. Appreciate the conversation on and on again. Mad Martin is going to get the uh, the Bronze Star today. You have a great call-in, spectacular call-in. He's, he's like a gold star every week, honestly. But I'm just saying, you know, and you know what? All you guys 
that are, that get stars. You're always like gold star material. And even some of you that, and I don't pass it out to you, you're still like a superstar. So it's like, it's always hard and I'm scared to pass up on this and that. It's just, you know, a vibe I'm getting, a vibe I'm getting and, you know, the interesting conversation and like a uh, 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 urban legend, which is what uh, Eric Mostard brought to the show. He literally handed out an urban legend to me. So it's like gold star right away, right there. Um, absolutely is well-deserved by Eric Mostard. Mostard, if he happens to be listening, hopefully he does. Some of you listen, most of you listen, some of you might not. And the numbers stunk last week. I, again, stunk. Like, we're talking like a third of the listeners that normally get on shows during the regular season. It's, it was weird. I don't know. Hopefully it catches up. Sometimes it's a slow burn. Sometimes it's inaccurate from uh, Hipcast because the Wild Show, too. Same thing. It was like a third of what I normally get. So, I, I don't know. The Brave the Wild episode that was recorded last Saturday morning. That was weird. So, I don't know. Maybe Hipcast is is hiccuping somewhere and the numbers will catch up just by default who knows but uh thank you guys for those of you that do listen thank you for uh those of you that have told your friends and those of you out there uh, can tell your friends about the show anybody anybody out there willing to do that tell your friends about the show pass on the good word about purple mafia a veteran podcaster's been around forever been doing the best he can and uh keeping you in touch with this team and keeping it fun and, and lighthearted as well rather than being overly serious and I'm the best podcaster ever, and you're all, you're all too stupid for me, but I'll answer your question anyway. No. Are, are you kidding me? Do you, do you think I would ever be like that? The only reason I'd ever even come close to that way is if you literally came on the show calling me a moron or, moron or doesn't know anything, and I should just uh, take my microphone and throw it in the garbage, then, yeah, then I might get a little smart-assy in with you. But outside of that, uh, that's not me. That's not me at all. At all. Just those of you, that, there's a jackass once in a blue moon out there. Maybe on uh, iTunes, it just likes to put negative ratings just for just because it's fun for them. Or maybe they do a show and they want to make sure that mine is brought down a level because of that. So if you could uh, write a positive rating on iTunes, it'd be greatly appreciated as well. Greatly, 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 greatly appreciated as well. Like Mark Carlson's also another guy who's like a gold star every week. You know, and Gerald String's a gold star every week. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. I just want to make sure... Certain anecdotes get recognized because it's love. I love that kind of stuff, kind of out of the blue like that. That was an interesting stat. I'm going to read it again. Um, Eric Mustard says, if my math is correct, according to Wikipedia, we've only won Thursday night football games against the Browns and Redskins twice now. Yeah, we've only won Monday night football games against the Browns and Redskins. We've lost every other single game. And yep, because yeah, Thursday night hasn't been around forever. And occasionally you'd get like one a year or something, like later in the season, as we're getting towards the end of the year. But they weren't very often. Um, they're always fun. And back in the old days, when there was a Thursday night game every now and then, it was a pretty epic battle. Where in a lot of cases, it's kind of a crappy matchup. Like maybe you're really good, the other team really sucks, or it's two sucky teams. And then Sunday's just epic almost every week. I love Sunday night football, it's so good. That's why it's always on, because it's always a huge game. They're like Patriots, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs and Rams, a pap, uh, you know, Packers, Chiefs, pretty good game. Yeah. So with that said, I'm going to wrap things up again. Uh, I'll give plug the contact details, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Purple Mafia. Your statement, show note, comment, question, and opine. And your voice will be on with mine. Blah blah blah. It's a three-minute limit, so just letting you know it'll cut you after cut you off after three minutes. So if you want to go unlimited, use the audio submission route. Simply use the recording, free recording application on any smart device on the planet. 
like a Samsung, an Apple, or whatever, LG, HTC, Motorola, God forbid, <laughs> Motorola, yeah, I know, I'm just being mean, um, or maybe you have a laptop desktop with Audacity and a nice solid microphone, you can go that direction as well, whatever you do, just save it and send it to PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com, PaladinoLive at Yahoo.com, and if it's not already an MP3 file, which it usually isn't when you use your phone, which is totally fine, I can then easily convert it into an MP3 file right away, like I do whenever Mad Martin calls in, because most phones pass out M4As, which will not work with uh, Audacity. It literally takes like two seconds with Zumzar or Converto.com. Thank you to those websites for allowing me to do that. They provide me a free service, so I will give them a free plug every week just for that, just by default. I mean, they, we don't even know each other. I'm just doing it for them because the, their service is that valuable to me on this show. That's what kind of guy I am, and I, their site rocks. That's what kind of people they are for providing that service. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, more than happy to give that recognition to them. All of you, God bless you. hope you have a wonderful week. Hope the Vikings can continue their winning ways, regardless if Patrick Mahomes is quarterback and the Chiefs or not. That would be a spectacular win by Minnesota. And finally winning in uh, Arrowhead Stadium slash Kansas City, Missouri for the first time in 45 years.